This is Ethan, and I'm here with Dave, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 53-inch. On this week's episode, we interview Pam Ritchie from the legendary Midnight Star Weird Al fanzine. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. Dave and Ethan's you don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Welcome to the first inch of season two. Yes, as of this episode, we are now in the second year of the podcast. And I thought you would forget our anniversary. Of course not. Our 20-year anniversary has passed already, but I didn't forget. February 4th, 2000, the Palace Theater in Albany, New York. It was my first show ever, and of course, you were there. So that's the first time you and I were in the same room together. 20 years ago, February 4th. Right? That's what you mean? Well, that's pretty cool, but there is a much more important anniversary. (laughs) All right, of course! The 13-year anniversary of the first time that I took pictures of your legs. That was on May 3rd, 2007, at the Turning Stone Casino in Verona, New York. Yes, another important anniversary, also the day we first officially met. And it was the first time I met Jackie. So that must be the anniversary you're talking about. Well, Ethan, there is one more anniversary. Of course! Yes, our other anniversary this week. Now, I was listening back to episode 48-inch, and according to that episode, we launched Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast on May 8th, 2019 at 3.05 a.m. 3.05 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time! We thought it would be fun for our podcast anniversary, which lands on Friday, to do a live chat with you, our listeners. Yes, that's right. We're going to be doing a live chat this Friday, May 8th, set 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 8 p.m. Central Daylight Time, 7 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time, 6 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, 5 p.m. Alaska Daylight Time, 4 p.m. I think they got it, Dave. Yeah, yeah, okay. So we will be doing a public live video chat open to all of our listeners on our Instagram. So be sure you are following us at 2000inch on Instagram. We hope you'll come join us, talk about the podcast, you know, talk about our collections, and maybe even chat about a certain favorite musician. That's right. We're definitely going to be talking about Yanni, but I feel like we can also talk about Weird Al as well. So that's Friday, May 8th, you know, 2020 for you time travelers, at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. All you need is an Instagram account, and you should already be following us at 2000inch, but just in case, make sure you're following us before Friday. Plus, we will also post information on the at 2000inch social media pages and in our group over at group.2000inch.com. Before we get into this week's interview, there's a few cool things happening in the Alniverse. Yes! Last week, Al made an appearance in Dan Povenmire's video, How's Your Quarantine, along with Kate Micucci, Diedrich Bader, Swampy Marsh, and Wayne Brady. It was a lot of fun. It's definitely worth 107 seconds of your time. And also last week, Al posted a video from when he and Lin-Manuel Miranda found out they were getting Hollywood stars. That video is so fantastic. I must have watched it a hundred times. And Ethan, of course, you were the one who shot the video of Al finding out that 
his star was fully funded and paid for by all of his fans. Yeah, in Providence, Rhode Island. It was after a screening of UHF. Al was doing a Q&A, and you got up to the microphone, and you told Al that the $40,000 was officially raised, and I got it on video. Thankfully, there was no car behind him to almost get hit by. <laughs> New episodes of Rena 911 have started to drop as of yesterday on Quibi. Now, no word yet on when Al's episode will drop, but he did share a picture of the character he's playing, and it is Ted Nugent. <laughs> I cannot think of a better character for Al to play. It really won't be a stretch at all for him. <laughs> I have always loved Reno 911, so I'm so excited to check it out. I'm glad it's back. Ethan, have you ever been to Reno? I've been there. That is where Jackie and I shared nachos with Al on the tour bus. Ah, fun times. No, I haven't. I've never been to Reno, nor have I shared nachos with Al on a tour bus in Reno. And you know where else I've never shared nachos with Al on a tour bus? Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York. This week's episode brought to you in part by the vegan Mexican restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York. Home of the two-pound double-wrapped in a quesadilla Burrito Burrito. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito. Find them at burritosquared.com and at burritosquared on Instagram. And remember, not every burrito is a Burrito Burrito Burrito, but every Burrito 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 can be Burrito Burritoed. Now, Dave, you know I've been collecting Weird Al stuff since I was a young kid. No way! I've been collecting Weird Al stuff since you were a young kid, too. I remember getting a few issues of the Midnight Star Weird Al fanzine really early on in my collecting, and boy, I was so glad that you weren't bidding against me on those, Dave. While you were still in diapers, Ethan, I was subscribed to the Midnight Star Weird Al fanzine back in the 90s, and I don't know if you realize this, Ethan, but that was the only way to get any kind of Weird Al news at the time. I mean, WeirdAl.com didn't exist. The internet was just barely coming around. It was new. There was no, you know, Facebook or Instagram. There was no, like, instant Weird Al news. You had to wait for a new issue to come out, and then you would rifle through it, and you would look to see what all the latest Weird Al news was. On mail days, when the Midnight Star fanzine came, that was, like, the greatest day. I just remember impatiently waiting by the mailbox for the latest issue to come. And I just remember crapping in my diaper. It was an honor to talk to one of the creators of that amazing Weird Al fanzine. Without further ado, let's check out our interview. So I am really excited for our next guest because she is one of the founders of the Midnight Star fanzine. And I subscribed to that when I was 20 years old. And that was my main source of Weird Al news for many, many years. Welcome to the podcast, Pam Ritchie. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. We're so excited to have you on. I was too young at the time when it was going on, but I remember for years, ever since I started being a Weird Al fan and started collecting, copies of the Midnight Star have always been a really sought-after, hard-to-find item, and I love collecting them. Uh, we started in 93, and I believe, I think we finished up in 99. So we were, we were around for quite a while. And uh, the older fans that have been part of this for Al's Ride for all this time will find this interesting. Uh, January of 93, I believe, was our first uh, issue. And that is 27 years ago. Woo! I love it. <laughs> yeah, 27 rears its head again. <laughs> that wasn't our intention, but maybe we should edit in that... We are proud to have you on for the 27th anniversary of Midnight Star. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of glad that you brought up the number 27 because my recollection was that 
somebody at the Midnight Star was basically the first person to point out to Al, you know, that, hey, you use the number 27 a lot. So I think that the Midnight Star has a lot of history in making 27 be the number that Weird Al fans recognize. We were. We were. Uh, we were all, when I say we, our original staff, so to speak, we were part of a, an old doctor, classic Doctor Who science fiction group. And uh, we all also shared a lot of other things. We Star Trek and all that and musical taste and everybody loved Al. And uh, of course, so we all listened to his music and, and devoured everything, what little we could get, you know, about Al. And it just seemed like uh, we were talking about it one day and it just came up like, boy, 27 sure does come up a lot. And I believe we were the ones to bring it to his attention. And from then on, he went with it. <laughs> I mean, it's so synonymous with Weird Al culture now. I mean, you talk to any Weird Al fan and they know 27 is the Weird Al number and they get excited yep. when it shows up in a song or a music video or, you know, even when he sings the, the words 27 in a concert, you can tell people are extra jazz. So that, that is a really yes. cool thing to be part of. <laughs> well, since we're talking about this, let me quickly say, I pulled out uh, an old copy of The Midnight Star just, you know, to familiarize myself because it's been 27 years. And I happened to get the one for May, June of 1996. And there was something we put in here about the fact, of course, that he's always giving us 27 and we all love it. But it says here, if I may read this, uh, thanks to Al for keeping 27 going, but it looks like it's going strong on its own. In March, Al repo reported that Bad Hair Day debuted on the Canadian music charts at number 27. <laughs> so that's something we had no control over. It just happened. <laughs> I love that. Not only does Al intentionally put 27s in his work, but 27s somehow seem to find him. Yes. <laughs> so I guess we, we should really start at the beginning. You know, how did you become an Al fan? And then how did that transform into actually creating the Midnight Star? Ooh, well, I can only speak for myself at this point. But when I was in my teens, I discovered Dr. Demento. And because of Dr. Demento, uh, I heard Al and other people that he played on his radio show, and there was just something about Al that stuck out. He was special. And his uh, another one rides the bus, boy, did that, that really resonated with me because at the time in Houston, Texas, during that summer, the city in all their great wisdom, which has not changed in all these millennia, <laughs> uh, <laughs> had purchased Roman buses, and they had air conditioners uh, placed right next to the motors. So the air conditioners would overheat, and they'd <laughs> stop working. And now Houston, Texas summers are very, very hot, okay? I often say that if you want to know what a summer is like in Houston, when you're cooking your Thanksgiving dinner and you open the door to check on the turkey and the heat that comes out of the oven and the humidity that hits your face – that's summer. <laughs> so when he talked about another one rides the bus, I'm like, oh, gosh, yes. Oh, gosh, yes. That's it. That's it. That's it. You know, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's been love ever since. I'm curious to know how you guys came up with the idea to start a fanzine. There had never been anything like that out there for our fans before. Frustration. <laughs> because there was nothing out there about Al. We never did know. Uh, and this was back in the days now for the younger fans before the Internet. We didn't always have the Internet and things were done manually, you know. <laughs> and so anyway, uh, one day uh, we were all, you know, just commiserating about that. Like, man, we never know when there's going to be a concert or if we can travel somewhere. 
there was a concert that was announced at the old Astroworld in Houston. Astroworld was a wonderful place. It was something like Disneyland. It was a big park, and they had a very big venue, and they had all kinds of concerts all through the summer. Well, this one time, Al was mentioned, and it happened to be uh, on the radio. And, boy, I remember everybody was so excited. We, we met at another lady's house, and we were all jumping up, down, screaming, and so excited. <laughs> so we decided that everybody that could, we all got tickets to go. And we decided we wanted to make an impression. We wanted Al to know that his Texas fans really loved him. And so it, the idea was uh, decided that we were going to get a basket, and then put all kinds of t different items of Texas in the basket, like Texas wine and, and, and Texas candy, and everything in there was from Texas. It was themed. Well, when we got there, of course, there was always security, thank goodness, but anyhow, uh, <laughs> we managed to talk our way backstage, and Al was very gracious, and he met us backstage in the trailer, and we presented him with the uh, basket, and uh, we kind of, you know, I guess we impressed him, I imagine, and uh, we, we mentioned at the time, you know, that we were fans anyway, and we were Doctor Who fans. And, and, and in science fiction at that time, they had things called fanzines, which were fan-created uh, storybooks. Something like, uh, you know, the Harry Potter fan fiction and stuff like that that you hear about now. Right. Well, then, of course, it was before the Internet, so everything was put in a fanzine, and it was published. It, you, you'd buy it, you'd spend the money for it, and then it was printed and mailed to you. And so that's why we got the idea of a fanzine, because that's where we were anyway, thinking about zines. And we wanted to do something for Al. He liked the idea, and we exchanged information, and it went from there. That's so cool. Your first issue came out back in January of 1993. And like you said, I mean, I was maybe 20 years old at the time, and there was no other source for Weird Al News. So I don't think I found out until about the second year you were in production about the Midnight Star. I think I got like a flyer in my close personal Friends of Al newsletter or something that said, hey, you want to subscribe to this if you're as rabid fan as you know, we think you are. And of course, like I think, like ran and you know wrote out the check and sent it off to you as soon as you know I got that note and, <laughs> and I, I bought all the back issues and everything. And I would wait. You came out, I think, quarterly, like every quarter or so. You put out every other month. Issues. Well, it was it started out every other month, and then I think it became quarterly because it just got to be too much to. It was expensive to to uh, print it so much. So yeah, mm. it, we did have to change our our publishing dates. Yeah. I would wait by the mailbox and be like, I can't wait for my next issue. Yeah, I was still living with my parents. I said, you know, when that brown envelope comes with Midnight Star, make sure you come and you find me because I want to read it. I would sit down and I would flip through and I would read that thing from cover to cover over and over again. And it was so full of such valuable information, things like some of my favorite columns. You had this column called Snippets where you had all Al News from just – you know, fans would send in where they saw Al in the newspaper, they saw him on TV, and I was so excited because I'm like, wow, there's other people out there that look for Al the same way that I do. I know. Didn't it make you feel wonderful to know you weren't alone and that you had <laughs> legions of fans? There? It was wonderful, and, and it was definitely a labor of love, and I've got to do a shout-out to Al and the band and his manager, Jay Levy. They have always been so supportive and helpful and it's because of them and their cooperation that we were able to do what we did oh yeah for sure i mean definitely just the involvement that they had you'd have spotlights on the different band members in some of the issues 
and you would also have a column that you started that eventually morphed into what's on Weird Al's website, the Ask Al column, where yes. you would send him a list of questions every month or every issue, and he would personally answer questions from fans. It was like the only way that fans like myself knew how to get in touch with Al was to send the question to you guys and hope that you would ask Al. <laughs> That's right, because this was before social media. We didn't have Twitter and all that other stuff, so this was it, yeah. So what I'm really interested in is, is how do you start it? I understand, like, year two, Dave finds out and he can subscribe, but where do you get the fan base in 1993 to create this fanzine? Well, like I said, they were very supportive, and uh, Jay Levy, uh, uh, he, they would get fan letters, and so they were very kind, and they would share with us some of the addresses of the fans that had sent fan letters, and we, in turn, would send them uh, a little flyer that we had this going, and would you like to subscribe? And the, the response was wonderful, and a lot of people responded, and so we were able to have the funds to start uh, making this fanzine for Al. So that's how that happened was again through cooperation with Mr. Levy. Like I said, it none of that could have happened without their trust and their cooperation. That is so amazing and incredible. <laughs> and <laughs> I would I would have to imagine, you know, at what point do you start soliciting for the first issue? It was after they sent us the first uh I forget now when it was obviously it was going to be in 92 because that's when we that was the summer we saw the concert and we started to get things together. And so uh, after he sent us the uh, beginnings of the fan base list, you know, we started sending out right away immediately. We designed a flyer and sent it out and went from there. Wow. So we didn't wait. We didn't let the grass grow. We, we, we got to work. <laughs> <laughs> and so for the first issue, are you able to take the fan submissions or was the first issue really just hey, we have to really start off fresh with our own content. The first issue or so was definitely uh, everything that came from Al and the band and uh, stuff that we thought up ourselves. And it uh, it went along as we went along and were able to get the mail back and forth and the fans. And, you know, and then we started going into stuff like that. So it wasn't from the first issue, no, because we just didn't have the material yet. Yeah, I mean, flipping through the issues, it's so cool. You know, there was like personals for people. There were, you know, like... <laughs> find a find a, a friend pen pal you know there was you know people would submit just news and pictures and it, it's it's so amazing to see something so collaborative from all these different weird al fans from across the world it was a very special time very very special and i was sad when it finally had to end but you know everybody had lives and we were growing up and we just we moved on but we've always still loved al and we still do pam i don't know if you know this or not if you remember but I've actually submitted some stuff to the Midnight Star, and I was looking through my fanzines trying to find out which issues <laughs> I was in. Which and, one? I'm, yeah, yeah, tell me which one so I can go look them up. <laughs> <laughs> right, so the very first time, it took me, like I said, I subscribed probably in, I'm guessing, you know, somewhere around the second year. But it took me until 1997 to actually have something important enough that I felt was worthy enough to send off to you guys. And that, so I'm in the July, August, 1997 issue. And on the second page, I mentioned that Al was mentioned on the May 13th episode of Jeopardy. He was <laughs> one of the trivia answers. And cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if you know this question. Uh -oh. and, all right. So the answer is, Weird Al Yankovic is known for playing this instrument as well as Lawrence Welk. 
What is the accordion? Oh, you got it. Four hundred. Four hundred dollars. That is that question. Wow. Well. I'm impressed with your trivia knowledge, Pam. <laughs> and, and then there were two more times that I actually got my name, and one time I actually got my picture in the book, and that oh, was wow. in the the May June. 1998 issue there was a full page spread that you guys put in there about me getting my very first weird al tattoo oh I was okay so excited that you guys you know, <laughs> took not only just that you you mentioned me by name in that episode but you gave me a full page and you printed pictures of me and al and the pictures of my tattoo and i was so excited and I wish I had somebody like Ethan that I could run over and say, look at this, look at this, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately I was eight at that point, or seven. <laughs> Aww. That was, that was such a highlight to actually get printed, you know, have my picture in something, which I considered, you know, almost an official Weird Al product at that point, because you guys were so closely connected to Weird Al that you were really, you know, I'm selling it, but I really mean it, you know, that you guys were the best source, you know, from 1993 up through 1998 or so. Right, 98, uh, 99, right in there, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, it was a labor of love. We loved every minute of it, and, of course, there were ups and downs, but mostly ups, and, and I still think back on those days with fondness. It was It was a great, great time. I would love to know what was the process for each issue. How did you guys collaborate and actually put the zine together? Well, we were a group, like I said, we were a group of fans, and we already had done fanzines, so we had a working knowledge of how this kind of thing would work, and we just put in there what we wanted to see, you know. We wanted to see more fan participation. We wanted to see complete lists of uh, the tour schedule. We wanted to see when uh, new albums, new material was coming out, you know. I mean, we just... did what we as fans wanted to see and and luckily it was what everybody else wanted to see too <laughs> so we would get together and and sit at uh, at uh, uh, carlotta's house and uh we would just kind of brainstorm you know a lot of great ideas came from that so it was pretty much just getting together as a group and and you know with a pizza or two and off we went <laughs> <laughs> it was the, the physical process itself were you just sitting there you know folding papers stapling them and sticking them oh in yeah the and, oh my yeah. gosh oh <laughs> we had an assembly line every time we did a production we would bring home several boxes of all these different uh they they never because it was extra to collate so they bring home <laughs> oh, yeah <man. laughs> we'd go ahead and 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 bring these boxes and boxes of of, of you know pages together and then we would be all around her house and we would you know one uh, yeah we did that and we like okay here's page one now here's page two and then that person would give you an add page three and then the last person would start folding it together and somebody else would have uh, a stapler and uh, staple it <laughs> and then uh we had we we did the mailing list because we had to print all the uh mailing labels for all the fans that were subscribers and yeah it was definitely it, it took several days and then somebody had was was uh, usually me would uh, drive up to the uh, main post office at bush intercontinental and they had at the time a uh, 24-7 post office up there and that's where we'd mail them most of them from up there wow <laughs> but it was very labor intensive nothing was automated nothing <laughs> <laughs> 
I for one appreciate all the hard work that you guys put into this thing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, Pam, do you have any idea how many of each issue you guys actually printed and stapled and folded and mailed? Well, it would depend on the number of active subscriptions that we had at the time. So uh, I'll be, let's just say round number, let's say we had 100 active subscriptions. We would try our best to do 150 so mm. that as more people you know, started to subscribe, the first issue they'd get was the most current issue. Okay. So we tried to do at least 50 more than whatever our active subscriptions were at the time. Mm, okay. And do you have any idea what it, you know, at its height got up to? Uh, I think at the, between three and 500. Wow. At the, yeah. Like I said, it was very labor intensive for a while there. And, and yeah. And if we hadn't loved Al and loved what we were doing <laughs> that, yeah. Cause nobody got paid. Right. <laughs> it was all voluntary. Right. right. <laughs> but I believe that was, I'd have to go back and check the books. I hadn't even thought about that, but it was probably between three and 500. I mean, that's why it's been so hard for me to track down every last issue. <laughs> you know, the people who are getting them are big fans and they're going to hold on to them. And, and it's, you know, for, for years, I'm almost done, though. I think I almost have all of them at this point. As I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of different sections that would pop up in the different issues. What were some of your highlights over the years? Ask Al, number one, because they were questions that he answered himself. That has to be number one. Yeah. And then... And then the fan stuff. I really enjoyed hearing from the other fans, and uh, that would be like the snippets and uh, Barbel Nardle's house when we had stuff that came in from the fans. You know, that was all, and whatever we used from the fans. And uh, toward the end there, we were asking for fan art submissions, and we had some very, very talented subscribers that would send in artwork. And then I guess, uh, which was not at the bottom but very special, are some of the behind-the-scenes photos and the, and the photos that would be shared for, uh, with us uh, through Al and Bermuda, who was the archivist of the band and I believe still is. And, uh, you know, he'd send us pictures of when they were young and, and, and behind the scenes at the videos and things like that. That was always very special to get something like that to share with everybody. Oh, yeah, for sure. Bermuda is great. You know, he's been a supportive of our podcast as well. But he's a great you know, resource for the fans. I'm so glad to hear that he contributed to these issues as well. And I oh, loved, he did. Greatly. Yeah, mm -hmm. He did. Yeah. I love seeing all those old pictures as well. And I'm glad that you brought up the fan art because you also, in the Midnight Star, printed my very first ever <laughs> fan art. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's the same issue. That's, that's that issue, uh, May, June 1998, uh, where I have that full page spread in there. Well, uh -huh. on the back cover of that issue, if you look, there's a picture of what I call primitive Photoshop. And what I did with this one is I had scissors and piece of paper and glue, and I cut out Al's face, and I pasted it onto Richard Nixon's head, and Richard Nixon <laughs> was shaking hands with Elvis in this picture. I sent it in, and you guys, you know, I don't know who was behind this, but made it the back cover of that particular issue. So... I will tell you right away that the May June 1998 issue is by far my favorite issue of the next stuff. I understand that. I <laughs> that was we should have named it after you. <laughs> that sounds like something right out of Gump because I know they had Tom Hanks shaking hands with the president at the time, so yes. it must have been because of Gump. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, Pam, you are still a, a fan of Al. Are you still going to concerts? Are you still in touch with anyone in the band? I'm really not. Uh, I, I'm sorry to say I, I wish I were, but uh, we've all kind of grown apart over the years, and, you know, life goes on, and I'm really not in contact with anybody. You know, when it comes down to it, I mean, we had a special relationship, but I'm just a fan. And they have to be careful about, you know, some of the fans because there are people out there who don't have the best motives in mind when they contact people. So I totally understand that. But no, I'm not. I wish you were, you know, but no, I'm not. (laughs) Have you seen an Al concert since then? It's been a long time. It's been too long, actually, but it's been a long time. I'm trying to think the last concert I saw, it was here in Houston, and I believe it was for it was for Running With Scissors. That's the last time I saw a concert. Yeah, it's been too long, yeah. Well, that's another thing for Ethan and I to work on. We've got to get you back into the Weird Al fan community. We've got Amen. to get you to some Weird Al concerts. Yes. All right. <laughs> you can be our special guests on uh, some of the upcoming concerts on the next tour. That'd be great if I'm allowed to travel to New Jersey again or you guys can come to Texas. That yeah. works. <laughs> I've right. never seen it, Al in Texas. That'd be great. We have, uh, it's amazing. I don't know. I'm not saying that we're more special than any place else in the country. We're not, but. Texans have a unique way of celebrating, and they're very loud, and they stamp their feet, and they scream and whoop and holler, and they make a, uh, uh, any artist feel loved and appreciated. I've been to ballets where at the end everybody's going, woohoo, you know, stuff like that, <laughs> which you wouldn't expect. So. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> now, I was thinking about this, and I'm wondering, someone must have at some point said, hey, why is it called the Midnight Star? Were, were there ever Weird Al fans who just, like, didn't get it? <laughs> Actually, no. I mean, never had that question. Oh, because good. <laughs> they were all fans, and they all knew the song. Good. So, you know. <laughs> no, I, I don't remember that ever coming up, no. <laughs> I'm also going to assume that there were never any issues, you know, with the band, you know, you, you using the name of the Weird Al song for your fans. No, they've always been so good and cooperative, and no. And when the band would do solo individual stuff, you know, like uh, Jim West did an individual album and stuff, uh, it was okay to go ahead and put that in the the Midnight Star, too, and let the fans know, hey, you know, his very, very excellent group of musicians are branching out and doing their own thing. And I say that because uh, I'm nowhere near professional, okay? Very, very, very amateur here. But I play a little piano. I'm in a handbell choir at church. And uh, I've picked up other instruments along the way here and there. And uh, for someone to be able to play an instrument and exactly duplicate somebody else's style, that takes incredible talent, incredible hard work. And I, I can't imagine the number of hours that the guys have been in the studio getting it just right, because they do. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you almost have to be better than the original artist to yes, do a parody. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And and everybody in the band, everybody has, has, has that level of talent. And they're just incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. When you go back and look at the old issues and bring back the memories, you know, like UHF and Spatula City and stuff like that, you know, nowadays with technology being what it is, we've lost our UHS stations. So would that movie even, you know, resonate with anybody now, the younger <laughs> kids? They wouldn't know what UHF was, you know, stuff like And it just brings back warm, fuzzy memories, and it makes you uh, nostalgic, you know, and happy. It brings warmth and happiness and remembering, you know, the times that were. Oh, also, 
I, I hesitate to bring this up, but I will. Um, I used to talk to uh, Al's mom, Mary, on the phone every now and then, and she was awesome. She was the sweetest, nicest lady. His Aunt Dot was also a sweet, nice lady. I can see why Al is the man of integrity that he turned out to be because he had a wonderful grounding with great family. That is so awesome to hear. What was the context in in talking to Al's mom? Well, she loved her son, and she wanted to promote her son. She was proud of him. And so something like this had never been done, and so she would, you know, occasionally call and stuff. And and, and his Aunt Dot, well, I used to write to her and stuff, and uh, we were kind of like pen pals. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. Yeah, kind of like, and she was really sweet, and she was into crafting, and I'm into crafting, and so we had a little bit of a bonding moment over that, you know. So I've, I've been into crafting all my life, so... And she worked on T-shirts a lot. She used to like to paint and glitter up and do T-shirts. I mean, that was back in the 80s. I've been, well, 80s, no, 90s, 80s and 90s when that, there was a fad of that for a while. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. That is so cool. And they were all just wonderful people. They they really were, and, and, and they, they, they did a good job with Al. <laughs> I got to tell you one thing. I have to tell you this. Uh, during the 90s, my mother, and this was back in the day now before the technology was there, she had two heart attacks, and she ended up having a triple bypass operation. Now, uh, my mother was a widow at this time, and I have no brothers and sisters and no family, so it was just me. And so I had to go through this journey with her and take care of her and bring her home. And during one of his tours, I don't remember which one it was, Al called me from the road just to inquire about my mother. Oh, wow. I've never forgotten that. Wow. And, and that shows you the kind of person Weird Al Yankovic is, and I'm sure still is to this day. You know, I mean, he did not have to do that. He really didn't, but he did it on his dime, and, and he was, I was, I'll always be impressed by that. That's incredible. It, it sounds like everything related to, you know, your journey in doing Midnight Star was just really special, you know, to Al, to his family, his fans. It, it, it sounds like it was really just an incredible thing and you deserve a big thank you this is really cool what you guys did well we enjoyed it we loved it um i was sad when it was time to end it you know i mean there's always a shelf life to everything a beginning and end and also i'm glad we did it i wouldn't change anything about it it was a wonderful ride and i appreciate that al and the band and mr levy you know allowed us to go on that ride with them we had the best time Wow, that was so much fun getting to chat with Pam Ritchie. And I can't believe this year is the 27-year anniversary of Midnight Star's first issue. After the interview, we were talking to Pam, and she said she has some extra Midnight Star issues, and she's interested in selling them for charity. Ethan and I will be doing whatever we can to help Pam and to make them available to our amazing listeners. We will let you guys know when we have more information. Dave, have you ever met Pam? I have not. You know what this means. Road trip! And you know what that means. Car Car insurance! This week's episode brought to you in part by the Don Forlazo Allstate Agency in Clifton Park, New York. If you drive like crazy or about to buy you a condo, Don Forlazo and his team can help you with crazy good auto, home, and renter's insurance. Plus, the Ferlazzo Agency can protect all your Volume 3, Number 4 issues of the Midnight Star. You may think your insurance is good enough for now, but don't wait one more minute. 
Find the Ferlazzo Allstate on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or call 518-278-3543 for a free quote today. The Ferlazzo Agency. We sell insurance, and that's all. You know, each week, we can bring you this podcast absolutely free, thanks to sponsors like Don Ferlazzo Allstate and Burrito Burrito, and our amazing Patreon supporters like Zeb, Blair, Javier, Allison, and so many more. Patreon helps us pay the bills and ensures that we can continue to do what we love. And that's making fun, family-friendly, entertaining Weird Al podcasts for you. Please join us in thanking all of our supporters over at patreon.com slash 2000inch for making this podcast possible. And please consider joining our Patreon family for as little as $1 per month. And another way to support the podcast is by visiting and purchasing something from our official Dave and Ethan's 2000inch Weird Al podcast merchandise shop. And we just launched our brand new Gill and Chill merchandise line. That's our amazing catchphrase for the Isle Thing song. Everyone loves it. You got to check out the shirts. You got to get some tank tops. You got to get some Gill and Chillos. We even have beach towels with Gill and Chill on it. You are going to love it. And to celebrate our one year anniversary through end of day Friday, use code one year to get $3 off your order. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, head on to Patreon. You already have a special code for $5 off. All you need to do is head over to shop.2000inch.com for those great items and more. Thanks again to Pam Ritchie, and thanks again to all of our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters, and sponsors, and thanks to everyone who follows us at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We look forward to seeing you on Friday, May 8th at 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific for our live video chat to celebrate our podcast anniversary. Make sure to follow at 2000inch on Instagram to join in on the fun. Be sure to join our Facebook group by heading to group.2000inch.com if you haven't already and tag fun Al or podcast related posts on social media using hashtag 2000inch and hashtag Gill and Chill. You can find us online at weirdalpodcast.com or at 2000inch.com and remember to share our posts. Tell your friends about the podcast, and we love it when you leave messages for us to play on the air on our 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347 Spatula. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. That way you don't miss a single episode. I'm looking forward to all the great fun coming up for year two of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. And I'm looking forward to going back and rereading the May-June 1998 issue of the Midnight Star fanzine. That's the one with the amazing pictures of me and Al in it, and pictures from when I got my first Weird Al tattoo. That was Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al Podcast, episode 53 You know, you were asking me earlier, there was one other thing. We all loved Harvey the Wonder Hamster. Any time we would watch MTV just to see the Weird Al show and sing along with Harvey the Wonder Hamster. I don't know why, but it just, yeah, you know, at the very end. <laughs> that was great. That was just great. Should right now the three of us sing Harvey the Wonder Hamster? Oh, gosh. I don't know if I remember the lyrics at this point. It's been a long time ago. Oh, it's it's pretty easy. <laughs> we can try. Let's try it. And we, okay. we won't use it if, it if it turns out horribly. Okay.
Oh, oh Harvey, 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 Harvey the Wonder Hand. <laughs> All right. I don't think Al has anything to worry about. <laughs> yeah, we may we may be good at fanzines and podcasts, but singing is. <laughs> <laughs>